0: Hey, so before this episode starts, I wanted to let you know that I'm running a free webinar training on how I reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers each year and generate partnership revenue through authentic brand partnerships. It may be that you're feeling really cash-strapped at the moment, maybe you're over-relying on Facebook and Instagram advertising, or it could just be that your marketing strategies are no longer cutting through or working like they used to. Either way, it's absolutely time to use brand partnerships. There's never been a more necessary time to integrate this tactic into your marketing strategy because partnerships can drive both reach and revenue for your business, which is really exciting. I'm only going to do two free sessions on this. Um, The first one's on Tuesday, the 2nd of August, and the second one is on Wednesday, the 3rd of August. One's at lunchtime. One is early morning, um, and to register, you can do that for free via the URL, bit.ly slash reach100k or bit.ly slash reach100k. I look forward to seeing you there. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to This Is How We Do It. We chat with brilliant marketers to delve behind the scenes of creative marketing collaborations and brand partnerships. I'm your host, Jess Rufus, and I'm the founder of Collabosaurus. And together with Microsoft Store Sydney, we are exploring how collaboration marketing can build a business, and we're chatting to the pros about how they do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to This Is How We Do It. Today's guest is my amazing friend, Emma Green, who is the co founder of Your CEO Mentor, which is a business that focuses on improving the quality of leaders globally through high performance leadership development. I'm really excited to be talking with Emma about collaborations and partnerships for B2B service-based businesses like your CEO mentor. We get asked about B2B service-based businesses all the time. We also delve into some examples and insight from Emma's time in agency land as a senior marketing director working across some incredible brands like Qantas, Westpac, Bumble and Contiki for example. I have known Emma for many years now and I've admired her incredible drive and marketing brain and I will say that she is seriously modest but I can speak to her wealth of experience and the success of your CEO mentors so far is an absolute testament to that. I know you will love this episode. Emma has some really great advice for working collaborations into your broader marketing mix, how to go about collaborations as a B2B business, and where she sees potential in the marketing landscape this year and beyond. So without further ado, let's get into it. Emma, a big welcome to the show. Are you hoping (laughs) to tell us a little bit about your CEO mentor?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually super excited to be on this podcast because I listen to every single episode that comes out, so I'm fangirling Aww. a bit. <laughs> hey. um, yes, I can definitely tell you about your CEO mentor. So essentially, I co-founded your CEO mentor with my dad, Martin Moore, about two years ago now. Uh, Marty was the CEO of a big energy company here in Australia, and I was working in marketing agency land, and we really just wanted to... Create something that would get all the knowledge um, that you know Marty had uh, leading people over the last 30 years, all the knowledge out of his head and you know into the heads of anyone around the world who needed help. So, we created the business. Um, we're predominantly a content led business. So, we've got our podcast, No Bullshit Leadership. We've got which our, which is
0: so fabulous, by the way. Everyone listening needs to go tune in.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it seems to do pretty well. Um, We've got our online program, our seven-week online leadership program, which we run twice a year. Leadership Beyond the Theory, which you are very familiar with because you were in our last cohort.
0: Yes, Um,
1: it's fabulous. Thank you. And then we do a whole bunch of keynote speaking and uh, CEO and executive mentoring. And we actually are running a book at the moment, so we got signed by US publisher at the start of this year, kind of before COVID uh, all kicked off, which has kind of been fortuitous because it's given us the time to actually write the thing. Um, But yeah, lots (laughs) happening for this little startup.
0: I can't believe how quickly time flies, like two years already. I know. It's crazy. I remember when we were talking about the idea, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, and so much has happened since then. But um, yeah, no, it's yeah. it's super fun, and I wouldn't be doing anything else. I absolutely love what I do.
0: Amazing. And so, what is your background when it comes to partnerships? Because I know you mentioned you worked in marketing agency land, and now you know it's a very different business. And your CEO so mentor being B two B and very content based. How did you get started in the partnership space?
1: Great question. So as you said, before I started your CEO mentor, I was working in marketing agency land and that gave me exposure to some really incredible clients, uh, big names and big budgets, which is always really fun. The last agency that I worked at um, really heroed partnerships and collaborations when pitching new ideas to clients. We were actually part of a bigger group that had Uh, social agency and PR agency. So it kind of, it was really good because I could use resources from all different, we weren't just experiential, you know, it was these ideas were always very integrated. So I was lucky enough to pull together quite a few collaborations, which was super fun and just taught me the power of partnerships. Um, I think after delivering a few of these and kind of seeing the results that we got for our clients, I was really sold on the fact that a clever well-fitting partnership uh, was definitely one of the best ways to grow and reach new audiences. So I, yeah, I think it's, it's really just a relatively cheap way to, um, you know, expand your reach, be able to talk to people in, um, I suppose, you know, different, different demographics that you wouldn't usually be able to access, um, you know, compared to say paid advertising channels like Facebook ads.
0: Mm. And it's just so many different channels become available when you tap into partnerships, you know, it's not just Facebook, it's, you know, LinkedIn and email lists, and Mm. you can leverage services and products and things that you have access to, which is awesome between two brands. Uh, Do you have a favorite? I know you've worked with Westpac and Bumble and um, Qantas and brands like that. Do you have a favorite from your agency days um, in terms of collaborations that you really loved? Oh,
1: there are so many really good ones. I think the the one that sticks out to me as being the best fitting uh, collaboration or partnership was between Bumble and Jelana Messina. So mm-hmm. this was actually one of the last projects that I worked on when I was in agency land. We were, Bumble was our client, so we were working with them to create uh, an in-person brand experience with a couple of goals you know raising awareness of the brand. Um, this was just when bumble BFF and biz were starting to become popular as well so it was about uh, kind of broadening that positioning not having bumble not only being a dating app but being just a really positive and empowering networking tool for women um, which I you know really resonated with so I obviously <laughs> loved working on that project the event, as I said, I worked in an agency that was integrated. So the PR agency, their PR agency was also within our group, which was really cool. So the event needed to be PR worthy and drive earned media from the get go. Uh, But there were also other KPIs with it, you know, app downloads, passive engagement through social media. And then obviously our part with the experiential part was uh, active on-site engagement. So Mm. We created uh, this experience called the Bumble Fab Lab, where we essentially converted an unused cottage into these four different rooms with these really cool different experiences that would make people happy. One of the rooms was this kind of like outdoor park area. And uh, we partnered with Gelata Messina, I guess, understanding the brief, Messina were able to create these two bespoke flavors for the event and they used ingredients that were i guess scientifically proven to induce chemicals in the body which would make us happy um
0: was that chocolate in because I know yeah. chocolate absolutely does that for
1: me yeah it was it was like chocolate they did all this research on there was chocolate um one of them had lavender in it like and they were called you know these really cool little names i can't remember what they were now but you know how Messina always has those cool names that they do for each of their flavors so um mm-hmm. so that was really cool because it really enabled Messina to talk to Bumble's audience and Bumble's audience to talk to Messina's audience oh, sorry Bumble to talk to Messina's audience so there was there's a really clear cross section of you know people who would you know download Bumble and like Gelato Messina so I just thought that was a really great fit in terms of demographic and then, obviously, on site, uh, people were taking photos of these flavors. There was a bit of FOMO happening. Um, you know, lots of people putting things on social media. It was great content for influencers that were there. So there was, you know, an influencer part of the of the project as well. Um, yeah. So I would just say it was a it was a really it was a really good fit. It was really clever, and it ticked so many boxes. And that's why I think it was so
0: successful. And so win win, which I love to hear. You know, it just makes so much sense for both brands involved. And for everyone listening who hasn't checked out the Gelato Messina episode, we actually have a whole episode um, interviewing Declan because I think, you know, Gelato Messina are just king of partnerships. They have done mm-hmm. so many creative collabs over the years, which is fantastic. Um, and I love this Bumble Gelato Messina collab, which was very experiential and, you know, revolved around product really from a collaboration Mm. perspective I think it's such a shining example of a partnership done really well and I'd love to ask from your perspective why do you think it was so successful
1: I think kind of what I touched on before about it being a really good demographic you know people who love Messina Mm. are likely to you know love at least one of the Bumble offerings so whether that's date or BFF or biz um they're not competitive brands so they speak really naturally to the same audiences which which I really liked and i think both brands were able to really showcase their personality no one brand was the hero in that particular part of the experience they just worked together really seamlessly so it felt good for the consumers it wasn't jarring and it just enabled everyone to win you know the social content yeah the product you know everything just worked together really nicely and then um you know there was obviously a pr element to that as well so you know that i think some of the you know headlines that happened around that was Jelana Messina giving away the happiest ice cream in the world or something you know that be, it became a really great um you know prable angle as well so yeah i just think everything about it really worked
0: yeah and it all really tied back to marketing goals, you know, Mm -hmm. as a whole and was able to achieve um, the impact you wanted to achieve. Totally. Now, moving on to B2B collaborations, I'm so excited to talk to you about your CEO mentor because we get asked all the time about B2B-based businesses and how they team up. I think, you know, for Collabosaurus, we've typically been uh, very much servicing that fashion, beauty, lifestyle, food and beverage type space. But B2B is this really growing category where there's so much value from a partnership's perspective, but so many people Aren't really sure where to start because a lot of the popular examples are product X product businesses, like Shandon mm. and Seafoley, or Louis Vuitton and Supreme, for example. And you guys at your CEO mentor have been collab- collaborating with a really fantastically complementary brand that is Kerwin Ray. Are you able to talk about this collaboration and what is involved there?
1: Yeah, definitely. So this is a really interesting one and and how this came about was a little bit more, I suppose, gradual and natural than a lot of um, collaborations because it, I wasn't actually looking for a partnership at that point. I was actually just wanting to get Marty onto some podcasts from a PR and exposure perspective and I pitched Marty to go on Kerwin's Unstoppable podcast. Once they did the podcast, I think they just got along really well. They've got a lot of really similar, um, you know, thoughts on leadership and business and everything like that. So I think that we re- we realised very quickly that that was a really good natural fit. I think from that point, um, we offered uh, some of his leaders to go through our leadership on the theory program. Um, you know, he gave us a couple of tickets to his nail it and scale it event. Um, so you know, there was just a little bit of contracts at. You know, at first, just trying to work out, you know, what the other person really does, and taking that deep dive, and yeah, from there it just kind of moved on to whenever you know our people needed, uh, you know, his expertise, which is scaling and growing small businesses. We would direct them over to you know him and his content, and when Kerwin ever needed any uh, leadership, you know, experts, he would call on Marty. So. We've done a whole whole bunch of stuff with them now, you know, speaking at his events and, um, you know, doing webinars more recently with them. Um, yeah, so we just kind of cross-promote each other's content and um, I think, like you said, because we are complementary, you know, we don't have any competitive products and, as you know, the same as there was with Bumble and Gelato Messina, there's a cross-section of both our communities, both our followings that... Are interested in both, so it's it's actually really easy for both of us to talk to each other's communities, um, and it just it really makes sense. It's a very natural collaboration,
0: absolutely, and it's complementary and adds value, which I absolutely love, and I think it there's something to be said about long-term collaborations and how much of a relationship play brand partnerships really are because, you know, you can collaborate again and again with a successful partner in different ways uh, to add value and cross-promote into each other's audiences and still achieve new marketing goals again and again over time.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I can say with successful collaborations that I've had in the past, successful partnerships they have been relationship builders. You kind of have to, you know, find the right person and, you know, build that relationship from scratch. Like actually what can what value can I give you? What value can I give you and your community? And, you know, vice versa, what value can you give me? How can we make this mutually beneficial? And, you know, yeah, really how can I help you? If you have that value mindset in mind from the very the very beginning, it's really easy to build that natural relationship so that, when something does come up, you're the first person or the first brand that they think of, um, you know, working with. Exactly.
0: I love that. And not going MIA, you know, mid or after a collaboration. I see a lot of small businesses this happening to where, you know, I use the sort of dating analogy a lot and relationship analogies and communication is so key. You know, don't just do the one collaboration and then go away and never communicate with that mm-hmm. brand again. I think just like what you were saying being top of mind when it comes to collaboration opportunities is also super valuable and staying in touch and building on that relationship over time. So important.
1: It also just makes things easier because you know Mm -hmm. that person or that brand so much better. It's, it's so much easier to come to a mutually beneficial agreement. Um, and it happens a lot faster. So the longer you have that relationship, it's kind of like, Hey, can you do this for me? Yep. No worries. Sounds good you know it's it's really a lot simpler as you get down the get down the road
0: totally and i think you know relationships are a massive part of it so are marketing and success metrics as well do you have a, you know a, the biggest stat or biggest result that you've loved to see come from this collaboration with kerwin ray
1: when we were first on his podcast, there was definitely a spike in new listeners because his reach is so big—like <laughs> millions yeah. of views and followers across all these channels. We're a very small fish compared to, you know, Kerwin and the, the, you know, how big his business is. Um, but it, I think it's been a bit of a, not a slower burn, but you know, we get clients. There's definitely people who have found us through Kirwan's content or you know who've been part of Kirwan's community who have started to listen to our podcast as well, gone throughout through our free masterclass, and then eventually ended up as leadership beyond the theory students or who we've worked with one on one in an executive um, and CEO mentoring capacity. So It's really been quite consistent because obviously all the content as well is evergreen. So people are still going back and watching that interview with Marty on YouTube, listening to it on the podcast. Uh, One thing that I didn't mention is that every time we work with um, Kerwin and his team, we get footage. So we get the filmed footage of wherever he's done a keynote and we use that for social media that always has Kerwin's branding in the background. So that's another really cool way that we get social media content, which is fantastic that, you know, adds value to our community, but he's also getting that constant exposure to our, um, you know, to our audience. And, you know, when we run Facebook ads that have that in it, you know, he's getting that exposure as well. So um, yeah, that was probably one of the things that, has been really mutually beneficial long-termly in more of an evergreen uh, style of collaboration.
0: Love evergreen content. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Awesome. Well, my next question is about influencer versus brand-to-brand collaborations. I think there's a bit of a grey area, particularly looking at Marty and Kirwan. They both have really strong personal brands, but, you know, also have really solid businesses and brands behind them. Um, I'd love your perspective on sort of when is it an influencer campaign and when is it a brand-to-brand partnership?
1: Good question. <laughs> You're probably better placed <laughs> to answer this, but I think the the reason why I don't look at Marty and Kerwin as influencers and more personal brands is because you can't you can't pay them to post your thing. So they're not going to take a photo with your protein powder and post it on Instagram. Um,
0: I would love to see that campaign. I'd love to see Marty just get on board with a protein
1: oh, powder company. Won't happen. Won't happen. Um, look, I, both of them are really focused on just delivering value to their audience. Um, you know, of course, we both have products and services that we want to attract the right people to, but neither of us will promote something. Or someone unless we follow it or use it or believe in it. Like I've had so many uh, brands get in touch with us to sponsor our podcast. But if we don't use it, if we don't believe in it, it would be in from our perspective, it wouldn't be right for us to talk about it and recommend it to our audience. Um, You know, we really value every single person who listens to our podcast. And if we're going to talk to them about a product, it's going to be something that we actually think is super valuable. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. I guess my view on the difference between an influence campaign and a partnership is that A partnership, you're providing something of value that's mutually beneficial. Only occasionally does it have a dollar figure attached to it. Obviously, it depends, you know, who the brand is, what the exchange is. Um... But I think an influencer campaign is more like just paying someone to promote your product or service. There's not really a mutually beneficial relationship happening other than an exchange of money. So I don't know if that if that's right.
0: Totally. Yeah, you can't just pay for placement. I love that. And I think also a distinction I like to make a lot is that it's not just like the insta influencer, which everyone I feel is getting a bit tired of Mm. um, because you know, as consumers, we're more and more savvy and we can see through the promotional posts where it's like promoting one protein powder company one week and then another the next, depending on who's got their wallets open. Mm -hmm. So I think as well, when it comes to brand to brand collaborations, it's really important to have a look at all of the channels available to a business. And often that's reaches so far beyond just an Instagram account I mean you guys have assets that are incredibly valuable in a collaboration that you can leverage uh just like what you said around you know Kerwin's footage you know that's footage that can be leveraged um and keynote speaking is a whole other service that you can leverage in a collaboration plus the podcast plus the website plus the course plus multiple social Mm. channels plus an email list you know most Instagram influencers typically don't have those kinds of assets Pardon the interruption, I'm popping in with a quick word from our partners at Microsoft Store. As you know, we hosted these podcast chats as part of our launch event at Microsoft Store Sydney, and it was fantastic. What a lot of people don't know is that they actually host a ton of free events and workshops for small businesses and their employees. From free tech support services to small business consultations or workshops and personal training courses. They've got it all. So if you wanted to book in for a free consult in Microsoft Store, check the link in our show notes. So I'm a big fan of the No Bullshit Leadership podcast, as I said before, everyone needs to go check it out, and it's grown like crazy over the last year as well. And a massive congratulations oh, for all of that you. growth. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> and this has become a huge asset that is incredibly valuable in any collaboration exchange. So in your experience, how do collaboration exchanges best work to achieve results?
1: Well, it's interesting because we don't actually have a massive social media following. So we've our, our audience is very engaged. Um, in, but if you just looked at our Instagram numbers or our uh, Facebook followers, or you know, looking at those as success metrics, they it wouldn't look as attractive. But yes, when you throw in the podcast listens, and you know, we're getting around fifteen thousand listens a week from around the world. Um, of a very, you know, targeted group of people. These are, you know, people who want to improve their leadership, capability and performance, um, wide range of demographic from, you know, brand new leaders up to CEOs of massive organisations, but, uh, you know, very specific type of person. So that that is a massive, massive asset for us to be able to use in a collaboration, which kind of leads me on, you know, what do I think Or or how do I think they best work? I think they best work when you know exactly what it is you have to offer and exactly what it is that you want in return. Um, I see Mm -hmm. so many collaborators, you know, people trying to collaborate and they're kind of, you know, very wishy-washy about, oh, I don't don't really know what I have to offer. Or, you know, they just look at, say, Instagram and Facebook metrics or, you know, Mm -hmm. just look very narrow. Um, you need to look as broad as you possibly can about what your what your business is, what your offering is. Be super, super, super clear on what what it is that you can actually offer someone as a value exchange before you even start the conversation. And then, you know, on the other hand, what exactly is it that you want out of this collaboration? Because you don't want to get not pushed around, but you don't want your, you know, another brand or another person's, uh, you know, desires for this collaboration to kind of run what happens. You, the the whole point is that it's mutually beneficial. So if you're very clear about what you want from the get go, from the start um, and, and what looks like success for you, you're in a much better position to negotiate on what that exchange is instead of getting steamrolled by someone who may have done this before or maybe a bigger brand. So I think that is how, you know, how you can make it work best is just before you start any conversation, be really clear on what you have to offer and be really clear on some of the metrics that you want to achieve out of a collaboration.
0: Absolutely. And there's often so much more that a brand has to offer than you might realize, because there are so many leverage opportunities and Mm. so many different touch points that go so far beyond social media followers. You know, I think those days are thankfully kind of coming to Mm. an end where that's the only thing that people look at. There are so many other successful, awesome collaborations that have come about through leveraging assets other than social channels.
1: Yeah. And I think, sorry, just making yeah. just making it part of your integrated strategy, like we spoke about before, if you're wondering, what is it that, you know, that I want out of this collaboration, have a look at everything else that you're doing. How can it fit mm-hmm. in to support that or to really boost it and push it forward? That's how you'll really figure out, um, you know, what what you should be putting your time and energy
0: and money into. For sure. And that actually leads me so perfectly into my next (laughs) question. Which is all about, yeah, yeah, thanks so much for that segue, Uh, all about media pitching because the media landscape in even just the last couple of weeks, but definitely over the last few years, has really changed dramatically and it's made it tougher and tougher for brands to secure organic earned content, particularly from just that media standpoint. So how do you feel businesses need to shift their broader marketing strategies and time investment? You know, are partnerships key? What's your perspective on that?
1: Well, I probably pre-COVID, I probably did more pitching than than you know I ever did. It's it is getting really difficult to uh, you know land coverage, um, and especially now with so many publications um, being closed down and so many big topics um, in the media, it's actually it's really tough to get cut through. Um, I, I love PR pitching, but it's something that I have put on the back burner for a while. And, you know, we were talking about this last week. I'm actually starting to now be like, okay, what partnerships can I use to get exposure and to grow? Because I just don't think the power of PR is there right now. Um, I have no doubt that it will come back and that it will become easier, um, you know, to get your, your great story into the media. But at the moment, it's just not, where I think the value is, is to be spent. Um, so yes, I think partnerships are key probably because I think people are starting to realize that it's a much, uh, I, don't know, it's, I wouldn't say like, it's a much cheaper way to get exposure. I mean, it, it is, but you still have to put a lot of time and energy and effort into, you know, making a collaboration brilliant. But I think, you know, knowing that if you partner with the right brand or the right right person, you can double, triple, quadruple your reach and speak to a completely new demographic. Um, I think that's really attractive for people who are trying to be more savvy with their marketing dollar. Um, so I do think that partnerships will definitely increase in you know the current landscape. But I do, as I said, I strongly believe that marketing and PR strategies need to be, um, you know, very integrated with your partnership and your collaboration. So don't, not just doing, you know, a collaboration on its own and hoping for it to blow up. Everything kind of, you know, needs to work around that. Um, Yeah. Does that answer that?
0: It does. Absolutely. I love that. And I think it's so important to understand that collaboration marketing should be part of the broader marketing mix in mm. any business plan, but it shouldn't be the be all end all, just like email marketing shouldn't be the be all end all. And, you know, one channel shouldn't be the be all end all. It's just like with all marketing strategies, it's one of those things that can really be leveraged, but integrating it into your broader marketing mix, I think is where brands can really win.
1: Yeah. And I think if you, if you do your, if you put together your marketing strategy, um, you know, having collaborations and partnerships as you know, part of that every single time, every single time you sit down and go, you know, we're putting this new product out or, you know, launching a new service or, you know, we want to talk about XYZ. Um, Having partnerships and collaborations on the board from day dot is going to really help you get the most bang for your buck. And that's what everyone wants. You know, they really want to spend the least amount of money to get the best quality result. And so I think, you know, just getting into the habit of who can we partner with, you know, who who can we partner with to, um, you know, make this bigger or reach more people? Um, Just getting into the habit of that, I think will take you very far long term.
0: For sure. And I love what you mentioned about understanding that there's still an exchange. Yeah, like you might not be spending cold, hard cash, but you're spending currencies other than cash, like Mm -hmm. time, (laughs) you know, and leveraging other assets that are they're quantifiable in currencies other than cash. So there's still an exchange going on. It still definitely takes time, although we've built Collabasaurus to save a lot of time for people, for sure. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, partnerships aren't that quick win thing. You know, if done right, it's a longer term strategy, but it can have much more far reaching results. So do you have any advice for B2B service-based businesses in particular who are really not sure how to use collaborations and partnerships to grow?
1: I think the key thing here is just thinking about who is also talking to your audience which brands are you know servicing the same audience as you one of the um, one of the examples that you often give is you know people that are in you know talking to the same audience but are not competitive businesses so for example a personal trainer and a dietitian is a really great mm. match um, so i think f- making a big list of other brands think really thinking outside the box you know who are other brands other uh, people other services other products who are uh, targeting our demographic and just letting your mind really go nuts with with who that is because i think one of the One of the most exciting things about collaborations and the ones that get the most attention are the ones that are odd. You know, the ones that are kind of, you know, maybe this isn't, you wouldn't naturally think that these two brands go together, but a a well-constructed partnership or collaboration with two brands that essentially speak to the same audience. Those are the ones that kind of make you look up and they're the ones that get the PR and they're the ones that get the social media, um, you know, sharing and and whatnot. So making a big list of everyone who talks to your same, um, you know, demographic and then really just doing a brainstorm, working your way down that list and thinking like, what are some things that I could offer that brand and how could that brand potentially give value to my community? And just you know, kind of what there are. There are some you'll go down. You'll go, yep, that is just absolutely not the right fit. <laughs> um, or you know, I'm going to have to spend way too much time you know, crafting messaging that's a little off, you know, for that to work. But you will find with that brainstorming, you will really be able to find some good matches. Um, Obviously, when you launch the B2B service on Collaborasoric, which I can't (laughs) wait for. um, September, September. Oh, I'm dying. Like that will just make (laughs) things so much easier because it just, it just means that you'll quickly be able to connect with someone who's open to collaborating and then it just cuts out that that front part, which is really the mm-hmm. time-consuming part, you know, working in agency land. I remember it was just, that was the hard part, like who is the right person to contact and, you know, how do yeah, I pitch? All the cold and, pitching. Yeah. Exactly. So um, that's, you know, that'll be great. But in the meantime, um, <laughs> really just think outside the box of, you know, those people that you can collaborate with. I don't, I know a lot of people say, you know, collaborate with your competitors. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't do that for my brand. It's not right for my brand, but I know it is right for some other brands. If you don't have competitive products or you can, you know, someone offers this part and then you can offer this part or whatever. Um, But yeah, just think really thinking outside the box, really getting clear on again, what you can offer, what you can give someone Mm -hmm. and what you're willing to give in a collaboration as well like just because to you achieve can, the thing
0: you want to achieve
1: yeah like mm-hmm. just because you can give away thousands and thousands of dollars worth of xyz doesn't mean that you have to for a particular partnership if you know if it's not even so you know mm-hmm. what you're will, how much time you're willing to put into it is really important and how much you know product or, or money or whatever you're willing to put into it is really important to do from the get-go and then that is when you go through and do that process that's really going to help you with your pitch. Because you'll be able to pitch to that person and say, hey, these are the things that I can offer your audience that I think would be really valuable. And these are the things that I think you could potentially offer me and my audience. And that makes the pitch a lot easier.
0: For sure. Complementary brands are so key. And they're definitely a really great place to start um, if you're trying to generate some ideas for what kind of brands you can collaborate with. And if you're a B2B business and want to get on our launch list for the B two B category launch on Collaborosaurus. Please get in touch because we'll be launching in September, and we can have you on the list, which is exciting. You're on the list, Emma. Cool. I hope so. I just <laughs> top it for of you. the list. Top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. All right. So my next question is kind of flipping it a little bit. There's obviously so much opportunity with brand partnerships and collaborations. I would love to hear from your side what really frustrates you about partnerships and do you have any examples of bad pitches or bad collaborations that you have seen that maybe could give a bit of insight as to what people can avoid? I've got a few.
1: Where to one, start? I oh, know one of the most annoying things is when people don't do any research on your brand and they don't oh, talk about yes. the value that they can bring to your audience. Um, you know that straight away tells me that I don't want to work with you. Um, you yeah. know, really, just that. It's lacking.
0: like a first date where they just talk about themselves the whole time and don't ask you a single question. Oh, drives <laughs> me
1: mad. I think a lack of planning as well. You know, when, when you can tell they've just cut and paste to 20 similar businesses, um, that is a real turnoff. You're kind of like, yeah, you know, make, make sure you niche your pitch down, make sure you're kind of being really specific about the brand and, and that you, you know, at least, I don't know, listen to one podcast episode before pitching to try and get on my podcast. Like, you know, things know. like that, they drive me mad. Um, and then I think when people use the word partnership or collaboration, when really they just want a free service or product, that's really <laughs> yes, um, yes. And then I think probably lastly I'd just say I think it's also really poor form when people just don't deliver on what they've said they would or what you've agreed to. So that's when a memorandum of understanding comes in handy and I know that you introduced this to me um, a couple of years ago it really just tightens up what you're doing legally. So, you know, um, in it you say, I'll deliver XYZ by this date, you deliver XYZ by this date, you've got it in writing, Um, everyone's clear on their roles and responsibilities and deadlines. And that kind of, you know, it gives you something to work towards, but it also gives you something to say, you know, hey, this is due in 2 days how are you you know how are you going with it um and you can really kind of use that as a bar you know you agreed to this so you know where where have we gone wrong here and yeah i think it's i think doing that is is essential regardless of how big or small the collaboration is
0: Mm -hmm. It gives you something to lean on. And Claire, in the last podcast episode, when we were talking to ACMN, she was saying the exact same thing. That was her biggest frustration. But she basically was saying how how much of an impact that has because brand reputation is so important in any industry. And if you don't deliver on promises to one brand – you better be sure that like five plus other brands are aware of that Mm, (laughs) because people talk and networks are really tight and strong and you could be really um, shooting yourself in the foot for future collaborations. So follow through is so important.
1: Absolutely. And it's just, you know, just Mm -hmm. do, do what you would want someone to do to you, you know, just act with integrity and you'll get the best result.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so, in your view, what makes collaboration marketing so impactful? Back to the positives as a whole.
1: (laughs) So, I think probably one of the most obvious ones is that you're going to get exposure to the new audiences um, that you wouldn't have necessarily got access to, or they potentially wouldn't have found you otherwise. So, I think it's a really clever way to attract new, ideal customers to your brand or service. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's a really good way to align yourself with brands who have prestige or you know who are really well known. Um, it kind of shows that you're in good company. You've got that uh, credibility by association. So, for example, if we partnered with say Nike on something, we would get that automatic credibility because of you know their brand. So I don't know. I just think that's a really cool subtlety of collaboration marketing and it doesn't just have to be with big brands like Nike. It can be, you know, any, any, with any other brand that has a good reputation or a a reputation that your demographic would deem to be impressive. So I think that's a really cool subtlety. I think Mm -hmm. it also gives you a real license to have fun with your marketing and do things a little bit differently than maybe you generally would. Obviously, depending on who you partner with, and I I know I spoke a little earlier about partnering with brands that are not expected potentially, Um, Mm -hmm. but I think collaborations allow you to really think outside the box and create experiences or products or services that your audience isn't typically used to. And that's really exciting um, as a consumer when you see your brand um, you know, a brand that you follow, a brand that you love, doing something that is different—that's that's really cool. That's what makes you kind of sit up and take notice, and it obviously creates that PR newsworthiness um, and an opportunity for uh, you know really exciting social content in some in some cases. So, yeah, I suppose I just love the integrated aspect of it all. To be honest, like the fact that it doesn't just have to adhere to your brand guidelines to be successful, um, and you can just use all the other you know. Tools in your marketing toolbox to really um, amplify a collaboration and give your give your audience and your community something cool and something different.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, when it comes to brand collaborations for 2020 and beyond, I mean we've already had a really tumultuous start to this year (laughs) what trends are you predicting I mean I suppose it's pretty impossible to predict trends (laughs) at the moment but in 2020 and beyond when it comes to partnerships and brand collaborations and marketing what are you predicting
1: well I'm not the expert in collaborations Um, (laughs) I, I have seen I think I mentioned this earlier I've seen a huge uplift in collaborations as marketing budgets have been crunched because of COVID. Mm. So, you know, a lot of brands just don't have the big dollars to put into TV, print, out of home, paid digital anymore. So they're having to be really clever with, with you know, the ways in which they're reaching new people and new audiences. So I think we'll see... A lot more, uh, you know, joint events, uh, you know, products. I think we're already seeing it now on platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn with, you know, guest webinars and trainings. And, um, you know, obviously I'm looking at the B2B space, you know, quite intently. But I think people are just going to have to start being really creative about how they grow and how they add value to their communities, um, you know, and who they can do that with. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see. I think people have, have already started being super creative and um, I don't know, I feel like that's when marketing is at its most fun when you don't just throw money at it, when you actually have Mm. to be strategic and um, think about, you know, how to do things differently to the way that you've always done them. So I'm excited to see what kind of comes out in the next, say, you know, nine to 12 months.
0: Absolutely. I think some of the best business decisions I've made have always come out of being really backed into a corner financially and kind of having to creatively work your way out of that in a way that doesn't cost a whole lot of money. So um, I completely agree. And thank you so much for sharing such amazing insights. I'd love you to share where people can find you. Um, You'll see your mentor. How do they find you and sign up and do the leadership beyond the theory course? It is so good, guys. I can vouch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Look, they can just go to our website, yourceomentor.com. That is where all the good stuff is. Um, And if you're into leadership, when you finish listening to this podcast, go over and subscribe to No Bullshit Leadership. Um, I'm pretty sure if you type leadership into your podcast app search bar, it should come up. But, um, yeah, we're on most of the social channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, mostly on LinkedIn. But, um, yeah. You'll be able to find everything on the website.
0: Yes, and I'll put all of the links to your CEO mentor in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me. No,
1: thanks for having me. It's been great chat and I love marketing. I love all things partnerships. So yeah, it's been really
0: fun. Likewise. Thanks so much.